What's up, everybody? Thanks for stopping by the show. This is your first time listening. Welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. It's good to have you with us today. All right. Uh, all of my links to social media, all the ways to support the show, uh, financially, monetarily, well, it's the same thing, right? Um, everywhere that you can find the show or me is in that link tree. And you can find that down in the description or the show notes. Uh, the video of this is also down there, the link to it. There will also be a couple of links to a concrete podcast that John did and also a uh, soft white underbelly uh, episode that John was on as well. Uh, my, my guest today is going to be John Boziak. And John went from being homeless at one point to being one of the most uh, sought after um, credit card fraud uh, well, actually, fraudulent credit, fraudulent credit card manufacturer, uh, and he was international. He was doing big things. You know, I was involved in some of this type of stuff, but a lot lower level than than John. I mean, I was able to to press my cards out. We got the numbers from the same place. We were doing the same thing, except I was going in and purchasing the stuff and doing the the criminal activity on both ends of it. <clears throat> So, which I don't know, it's uh, you know, it it was it was what it was, um, whole whole another lifetime ago. So, what else? What else? What else do we got? What else do we got? Um, hey, you know, I am thinking about uh, pulling the plug on this show. So, I, I'm I'm I don't want to, but I also you know, there's there's tons of episodes that I still have. Uh, to put out, but I don't know, man, this, I, I'm having a hard time monetizing it, uh, just because I, I, I cover a whole lot of different things and some of them aren't very popular. Uh, you know, so if you've listened to my catalog, you, you'd kind of understand, but what do you think? I want to hear from you, the listener. Uh, if you, you know, have any suggestions or, you know, am I not, doing it right, you know, or whatever it is, man. Uh, let me know what you think. Uh, you can email me at nowhere to go, but up now at gmail.com. Uh, all the, you can catch me on all my social media links. I'm, I'm active on, uh, Instagram. That's at nowhere to go, but up now. And, uh, you know, I answer pretty much all my messages. So, uh, if you, you know, have some, uh, you know, maybe you've got a guest that you want to see on the show. Maybe you, you know, have a suggestion for me, you know, what I could be doing differently or, you know, what I could be doing better. Uh, consistency, I know, is is probably top on that list. Consistently, you know, uh, p releasing episodes. Um, that just kind of is what it is right now. Uh, I am actually, it's in my mind to get... I want to start trying out some some publishers. So basically what I would be doing is just giving these episodes over to let somebody else publish them for me and do all of the other stuff, social media and all that, because I'm not very good at it. And well, I don't feel like I'm very good at it. And that plays into me not getting things done because it's like, oh, God, there's that part I got to do. And it's like, all right, well, there's a whole bunch of other things that sound better to do, like laying on the couch and watching some breaking points or anything but doing what I don't want to do. <laughs> 
so you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure, I'm, I'm trying to, to, to do some workarounds my, for, to work around myself, uh, and, and get some of this stuff done. So bear with me. If you're still hanging in there, yeah, Nux, uh, good shit, man. Uh, oops, there's my, some things going off in the background. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, anyways, this was a good episode. Uh, I also, you know, uh, John knows uh, Matthew or Matt Cox. They both did time in prison. Um, Matthew wrote his book, uh, John's book. And so, you know, those two I've had, I had just had Matt Cox on and uh, John Boziak as well. He's a, it's a, it's a fascinating story. I didn't get to touch on a lot of it. Uh, We, you know, he was tattooing somebody while he was interviewing. So he was a little distracted. But that's why I put the uh, other links in there so you can actually go and check out, you know, a fuller story of his, his, you know, mine. I don't know if mine does it justice or not, but it's, uh, I mean, there's some good stuff in there. Let's get to the show. Sean Dustin spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. Upon release in 2006, he had nothing but the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and legal paperwork. In 2010, he kicked a long-time methamphetamine habit and started the long climb back up the ladder of life. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. If you want transparency and authenticity, you're in the right place. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and this is Sean Dustin. What's up, brother? How are you? What's going on, brother? All right, all right. So, is this your studio, or or do you work there? Do you own it, or you do you work there? No, 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 no. I'm not the owner. I just work here. Yeah, I'm at uh, Royalty Tattoo Studio in Phoenix, Arizona. Awesome, awesome. Right on. Uh, thank you for uh, giving me your time and uh, coming to share your story. I did listen to you on the Clubhouse chat uh, with uh, Vitali. Is that who it is? Yeah, Vitali. Yeah, yeah. That was a good one, man. That was about a three and a half hour uh, uh, deal you did there. It was, man. That's the longest one I've done uh, to date, actually. And um, I, I, you know, actually somebody was in the room. They recorded and transcribed the entire thing. Um, and then I edited some and I put it up on my YouTube channel. So yeah, you can, you can catch the whole entire thing on my YouTube channel from, from beginning to end. Awesome. Yeah. I saw that. I was looking at your YouTube channel today and I was like, Oh, they, it's on there. <laughs> That's cool. So why don't yeah. we just get right into it, man? Um, the reason why we're here is to talk about your story and what happened to you and kind of, uh, <clears throat> how you went from being homeless at 14 to being probably the number one uh, credit card manufacturer or the number one manufacturer of fraudulent credit cards uh, in internationally or just in the United States? Uh, I, I, it was just, I, I don't think it was international because those guys in Europe were doing some pretty big numbers, you know, way before me, uh, you know, definitely was, um, I believe it, the biggest in the United States uh, at that point in time. Um, that 
I knew of and that the authorities knew of and that the community knew of. Uh, you know, there may have been other guys that, you know, were completely super underground and were pumping out and doing bigger numbers than me, but I just, I don't see it. Yeah, you were doing way bigger things than I was doing. I mean, I was I was pressing them out and doing the tracking and encoding and embossing, tipping and all that stuff, but no, nowhere near on the level that you were messing with, so. Gotcha. Were you, were you guys were just doing piece work and going out and using them? And yeah, so we were get we were buying dumps uh, with Bitcoin from Russia, and then using those dumps to uh, interact and encode the back of them. Like we were making the cards, printing them out, sure. pressing them, and doing all of that stuff. Sure. But a lot of the things that we were doing was the online um, ordering online, and then picking them up, picking up the merchandise in store. The, vir- the virtual virtual card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where that's where I um yeah that's where I kind of started and kind of got into the game at was the virtual side you know it was before the physical shit even really came along that's how that was my first like foray into the whole carding world so let's get a little bit into your background um you know you said you were homeless at 14 so how did that how did that happen uh and and like what transpired into to making that a reality for you um you know i i have been a little shithead pretty much my whole life and Starting at the at the age of about thirteen, uh, I just started, you know, getting incarcerated uh, for various things, um, you know, shoplifting, stealing cars. Uh, I was, you know, got busted with a pistol when I was like thirteen or fourteen years old at school and got expelled. So, you know, my career uh, as being a mischievous um, credent had started at a, at a pretty at a very young age. So by the time I hit 14, I had already been incarcerated twice for over a year. Um, you know, and my mom, being a single mother raising two kids, uh, she just she didn't deal with it, you know. So she told me that uh, pretty much that I could just kick rocks. Um, because at that point, I was I was a ward of the state. My mom didn't even have custody of me. You know, my mom had turned over custody of me to the to the state. Um, you know, so that they could do whatever they needed with me and straighten me out, uh, which didn't work. Um, you know, so I'd been in Boysville and I'd been in different group homes and I'd been in um, boot camps and various other uh, juvenile facilities. So when I hit 14 and I got released uh, from one of these programs, uh, my mom was like, pretty much like, dude, you got to find somewhere to go. You know what I mean? Like, we ain't, she just wasn't having it, you know? And, uh, so yeah, I just I got the I got the green light from my parentals to pretty much just go and do whatever I wanted um, from the age of fourteen, and that's how that's how I ended up on the street. Uh, now, when I say I was homeless at the age of fourteen, I don't I wasn't sleeping behind dumpsters, and you know what I mean. Like I wasn't like the homeless people you see by the side of the highway, you know, uh, begging for change. Now, it's true I didn't have a, a residence, but you know. At 14, your friend's parents aren't going to let you sleep outside. Your friend's parents, you know what I mean? Like, there's always going to be somebody's couch or somebody's home to go to to kind of to kind of hang out at. And that's where I that's where I kind of found myself at uh, at that age. Yeah, yeah, no. I, up to this point, our our stories are kind of paralleling each other. Uh, same thing: ward of the state, parent, you know, incorrigible. My mom couldn't handle me. Um, you know, I, exactly. Yeah. And around sixteen, I ended up uh, doing meth and ended up in a meth addiction. Um, so, 
how do you go from couch surfing from friends' homes to I, I know that I remember your story. You talked about some of the little smaller things that you would do, um, like fraud wise, uh, in you know, mm-hmm. different things that you, you would do. Um, so kind of talk about that. Like, how did you sort of slip into uh, doing fraudulent things? So, yeah, being on the street, I, um, you got to survive. You know what I mean? You got to eat, you got to. You need money, obviously, and uh, whatever whatever you're doing, we you know we gotta you gotta fuel the party. You gotta keep the party going, um, you know. So I just I picked up on scams, man. I picked up on you know simple street scams in the beginning, uh, and then I kind of moved from there up to the more serious stuff, um, you know. But I started just kind of I hacked the uh, the computers at the library so that I could run you know my own kind of version of, of Photoshop. And what I was doing is I was uh, I would I would print UPC. I figured out the UPC codes for restaurants. I would print UPC codes and I would make my own, I would make my own, uh, coupons so that I could go to restaurants and I could eat and, uh, and I could get like free fast food and shit. And I think that was like one of the earliest, one of the earliest things kind of like, was like, Oh wow. You know, there's, 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 so there's something to this, you know, and I've always been into computers. I've always been a computer nerd. I've been building computers, you know, since then the mid mid to early nineties. So, uh, fraud has always just been like a, a, a kind of my go-to. It's always just been like a fit for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I understand that. And, and did it kind of, for me, it was, I spent a lot of time trying to, to navigate getting out of doing the things that I should do. So I'd always find a hack or I would always find a, a vulnerability in something and how I could get out of doing things, right? Like get out of, Same here, get out of having to work. Um, yeah. I, I, that's really what it was. I wanted to be lazy and do whatever I wanted to. So however I could figure out how to facilitate, you know, that main goal is what I did. And, uh, I, the UPC thing, I think that was, uh, that was pretty funny because I kind of did the same sort of thing when I was in Vegas, I had a group of people that were, um, working for me doing smash and grabs and they would bring me, you know, towers and, and all these things. And so I needed new hard drives. So I figured out how to kind of shrink wrap things and, and peel off co- uh, labels and put them back on and be able to buy brand new hard drives and, and put the old ones in its place and then return them at Walmart. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it was always something that I I'd figured out. And then of course, like, you know, yourself, it turned into bigger things and, you know, I started learning how to do more, but methamphetamine really is what kind of facilitated that because when I wasn't tweaking, I was not interested in doing any of it. Right. Right. And, Right. And you, what I find fascinating for you is that drugs don't even play a part. Yeah, I know. Uh, you know, for me, it wasn't drugs, man. Like I, um, I never got into drugs, you know, it was always, it was just not wanting to work, man. You know, like I, I watched, I watched my mom work herself to death. I watched, you know, various members of my family work themselves to death and, you know, they're all successful. They all have money. They all own their own homes, but they're all fucking miserable. You know what I mean? Like every single one of them, they're all miserable. They all, their bodies are all fucked up. They got chronic pain. And I, I'm just not going to live my life like that, you know? And that's why I just, I chose not to really pursue, you know, to get into the job market, to really take it seriously, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, also too, the options for somebody who doesn't have a whole lot of skills or work experience, I mean, 
you're like, I remember getting a job as a carpenter's apprentice, making $9 an hour, being basically a humping, humping wood up and down to the trash can. And I was like, dude, I'm not going to work this hard. That's crazy. Just general labor, man. That's all, that's all you can really do, brother. <laughs> yes. And uh, I was, I wasn't going to do that. I wasn't going to live that life. I worked, I mean, don't get me wrong. I worked plenty of regular jobs, uh, living on my whole life. I worked, uh, I did windows and doors for many years in Miami. Uh, I did commercial glazing, commercial storefront glass. Uh, I cut mirror. I did all kinds of shit, man. You know what I mean? So, and I was just like, dude, I'm not going to do this for the rest of my life. I'm not. So a, I'm either going to be a business owner and I'm going to open, open a small business or, uh, I'm going to commit fraud or do something illegal, but I'm not working a regular job. That's for fucking sure. Yeah, yeah. So take me, take me down uh, the road after you you figured out how to do the UPC codes and like how does it, how does it turn into um, doing the uh, online fraud and virtual fraud? Right. Well, none of that stuff actually came till much later on. Um, you know, I was uh, I had went to college. I graduated. Uh, I graduated high school. I went to college before any of the carding actually came into uh, came into existence. I actually. I went to college. I got my associate's degree, <clears throat> and um, I went to the uh, the Art Institute of Fort Lauderdale, and I got my associate's in graphic design and media art. And after I graduated, I went to go work for a company in Miami, uh, a print company, and I was a lead graphic design artist. I was, was making really good money. Um, you know, I worked there for about a good uh, year and a half, almost two years. Um, I show up for work one morning, and the feds are there, and the, the owner's wife is there and they wouldn't let anybody in the building. Uh, you know, they were, they were taking everything out. They were going, taking all the filing cabinets and all the paperwork. And, you know, they questioned uh, all the employees. And now I didn't know anything shady was going on. You know, I was completely green at this point in time. You know, I was, I thought it was just a regular business. I show up for work every day. I do my job and I went home and I never really, I didn't know anything was out of the ordinary, but apparently they were doing something shady. It was either money laundering or had something to do with, uh, with drugs from South America, who knows? Um, but the owner's wife cut me a check for the remainder of my wage for that year. Uh, it was a decent check. And she told me to go cash it immediately. Um, and I did, you know, and then I, I, I immediately just tried for another job, um, you know, to try and figure out because at this point, I had been living pretty good. You know, I'm, I, I had the, the, the graphic design job, and they were paying me really good money. I had a, a condo on Brickle uh, in, in, in Miami, which if you don't know what Brickle, uh, the Brickle area of Miami is, it's a, uh, you know, young executives live there, uh, young professionals. It's, you know, expensive condos, um, you know, really, really, not really expensive real estate, but it's, you're doing all right if you're living in Brickle, uh, which I was. And, you know, I was driving a, a new uh, Mercedes S550, and I didn't want to give any of that up. You know what I mean? Like, I was used to living good, and now, when they close down, uh, I don't have any income coming in. Now all I have is debt, you know? And my bills at this time were, like, around 4500 a month. Just keep the lights on. Between the car and the condo and everything else I had going out, like 4500 a month, just to keep the lights on. You know, and now I don't now I don't have any income coming in and I, I have a little bit of savings, not much, but I got a little bit, you know, and uh, so now I got to figure something out. And that's when I, I, I 
I know I had a buddy of mine that I knew from Miami that I knew he was in the scams. I knew that he was always doing shit. And so I hit him up and um, that's, he kind of put me up on the carding. And that's how I kind of got into the virtual carding, you know. And you know, you gotta remember, this was twenty years ago. This was early two thousand. So there was no, there was no onion router. There was no dark web. There was there wasn't any of that shit. You know what I mean? It was just a carding forum. That's all that existed, you know. So in my opinion, the information was a little bit easier to access uh, if you just if you knew where to look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? So you're talking about like forums, right? Like 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 chat rooms, basically, or just you know. Yep. That. Uh... Yeah, just like uh, like message boards. It's pretty much what it was. It's like an, like oh like like four chan or like eight chan was you know back in the day. Okay. Yeah, that kind of deal. And then you start getting information through there, you know, making connections with where to where to pick up dumps at and stuff like that. Yep. Yep. Exactly. But like I said, I wasn't even in the dump game at this time. I'm just doing virtual. Okay, so I explain what virtual is because I don't. I wasn't doing virtual. What I was doing was a little bit different um, than right. than virtual. Um, so what? Yeah, you, you 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 came a little later. I think that when you were doing that, that didn't start till around like uh, 2009, 2010, or something like that. I believe. Yeah, the when they started doing the the in store pickup and you could order with the card online and yeah, that was wide open for a little while, man. Before they real before people started really hitting it really hard. Um, but virtual carding is so anytime you go to a website, uh, and well, back in the day, not now it's a lot different, you know, the payment processing systems are a lot different. And, uh, just the way they store, uh, data now is a lot different because of all, all the data breaches and everything. But, you know, 20 years ago, that just didn't exist. And so say you had a store, like an online store, um, <laughs> Nine times out of ten, that your store, like the whole thing, was just like on a server in your garage, somewhere. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the, your whole your whole website was hosted on a server you had, like in like a back fucking room or something like that. And it wasn't it was, the security on them; were, it was a joke. So what guys do is they hack in these servers and they would, you know, oh yeah, I skipped a part of the process. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. So anytime you go to a, a website or anything, you, you you order anything and you type in. This is 20 years ago. Now there's payment processing systems, PayPal and everything that third party, they all handle it, but it didn't used to be handled third party. It used to all be done um, manually. Like you, like you would go and order something off somebody's website. You type in all your credit card information. Now all that information would be saved uh, to a server at somebody's fucking house somewhere. And the way they process their orders is they would have to manually, cause I worked for one of these companies back in the day. You would have to manually in the morning, go through all the emails, pull up all the orders, and then process all the credit cards by hand and then type in all, you know, all the orders and do it all like that. So nothing was really automated, nothing like that. So this information was extremely easy to access uh, for hackers, you know, and that's what they did. They hacked it and they just resold it uh, on these websites. Now, when you get a hold of this information, you can go, now you can use this information, uh, just mask your IP address using like a VPN and a SOX proxy. Um, you can go online, and go to a website and use this credit card information to, to virtually purchase something online and then have it shipped to a like a drop address or whatever. And that's pretty much, you know, virtual carding in a, in a nutshell. And so now you've got hard products that you need to off to make the cash to, to get them. So, I mean, it was there's a little bit more there's a little work involved in it. Yeah, you know, you got you got you got to fence all the stolen shit, you know. So that's that's easy. That's just Craigslist and eBay. I mean, that's a joke. You list it. You if it's brand new in the box, you you just knock like two hundred off retail. It's gone the same day it's posted. 
Yeah, we found that out when we were doing the uh, the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the MacBook MacBook Pros. I mean, they never go on sale, and oh. we, we were Fuck no. yeah, we were we were killing it with those eighteen hundred bucks a piece to two twenty two hundred, depending on which one it was. And yeah, they were gone within minutes of of posting them up there. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so it goes from it's like how much? How are you doing? Are you doing good doing that, or are you just kind of getting by? Or are you are you spinning um, your wheels? No, I was, do- I was doing all right. I mean, you know, just like with anything, there's going to be a lot of uh, you're not going to have success every single order you put in. You know what I'm saying? Like there, it, there, it's trial and error, and a lot of a lot of times your shit just doesn't go through. And there's a lot of legwork involved, man. You know what I mean? Like you got to find addresses to get shit shipped to, and then you got to fucking you got to take the chance that the shit you're going to pick up isn't being watched and you start getting paranoid and all that other shit. So yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a lot of work, man. You know, and, and, and you know, you make all right money, I guess. I mean, I was making more money doing that than I was at a regular job, hands down, you know? So I was complaining, but like, there's just a lot of legwork, man, you know, and you can only have shit mailed to one address so many times. Yeah. And then, you know, does saying? that address so, get flagged at some point? I mean, I'm sure it does with that company, yeah. you know what I mean? Whoever you're ordering from. And then, like I said, man, it's just a lot of legwork. And the, it's just not scalable, you know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to make millions doing this shit. I'm not trying to just fucking if, – if I'm only making the same amount of money as I was making at a 9 to 5, in my eyes, it's not even worth it. I would just go get a regular fucking job. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm not, if I'm not making you know, the money I, I, I want to see, then it's not even worth it to me. And I figured out real fast that, it, you know, it's cool. You get free shit. And there's a kind of a, a a certain little rush to it, but once all that wears off, dude, you know what I mean? Like, you kind of, you guys start figuring out, okay, how can I make more money? Like, I need to make more money, and this is just not doing it. And so you've kind of, it sounds like you've kind of always had a business mind, anyways, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I just learned from a young age. You know, I don't, I don't know where I picked it up or who taught me or or what happened. I just, I, I, I look at everything through financial lenses, you know. All right, so. Where do we go from there? So you're, you're doing the virtual thing. You're kind of realizing that, you know, it's, it's working, but there's a lot of legwork and, you know, possibly you might as well just be working a regular job if it's taking way too much, too long to get to where you want to go and it's not scalable. So where do you go from there? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's when I started looking at other options. Um, you know, when I started looking into the, uh, in-store, in-store carding and I started looking at the physical carding started doing all my research there and kind of led me down that path, you know, where then I started doing the in-store carding. So I was just, uh, I think the first piece of equipment I bought was the uh, MSR 505 or the 506. I don't, I don't remember which one it was. And uh, I just started buying dumps. I wasn't even buying plastic at this time. I was just buying dumps and kind of using them, you know. And I started doing that and that was, you know, that was cool for a while. And, you know, I'm getting PlayStations, I'm getting big screens. Because you know, I had I was I was buying the I bought uh, buying the novelty ID too, so that I could match the plastic to the ID, and I could go in, you know, and buy the bigger ticket items and all that shit. So, and I did that for a while, and that you know that was cool, and I made a lot of money doing that. I was you know probably making two or three grand a week, um, you know, but I also figured out once again that that operation uh, is just not scalable. And mind you, listen, I'm doing everything by myself. You know what I mean? Like I don't have, I don't have people working for me. I'm not, you know, I don't have people out there running around with me uh, doing all this shit, you know? So I'm, I'm solo dolo doing all this by myself, you know? 
Which is good, which and, is probably uh, the best way to be doing any of that kind of stuff because, you know, you don't have yeah, anybody that yeah. if you get in trouble with the feds, you're more than likely going to be looking at a conspiracy charge and, you know, they're going to be incentivized to turn on you. Yeah, when I went to court, when they finally caught me, that was the only thing that really saved my life is I had no co-defendants. I was, uh, I was just took it, I took it all by myself, you know, and I didn't. I didn't have anybody to tell on and nobody, there was nobody to tell on me pretty much kind of deal. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah I know. I, I, I was working with a group, um, but I'm the one that got busted and it, uh, <laughs> because only because I, I was doing, you know, I had no business doing anything that I was doing. I hadn't slept in three days and for whatever reason, you know, that rush that, that you need, you feel that need, I got to go get, get some items. I got to go, I got to go cart. I got to yeah. go, I got to go get it, man. And, uh, you know, I, dude, I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine being on meth doing that shit, dude. Like there's no, snow. I mean, I, I've never done it. I've never, I've never used meth, but I'm like, I can only imagine like, it's probably not the best like frame of mind to be in when you're out there trying to commit thousands of dollars in fucking fraud. You know? No, especially when you look like, like you hadn't slept in three days and your, 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 your <laughs> mind, your mind is telling you that you look great. And, uh, you know, when you go, when you go to, um, you know, check out or, or pay for it or pick something up, I mean, you, they, they got in this. You're looking kind of crazy. Yeah. 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 And so like they'd look at you and they automatically were like, dude, something's not right with this situation. Yep. And so that, that's what ended up happening. And, uh, like I said, I'm the, I'm, I got busted, but I was already on supervised release anyways. Right. I was doing all of this oh. while I was on supervised release and, uh, from the feds. And what, what yeah. ended up happening yeah. is that they didn't, uh, they didn't prosecute me, even though they caught me with, uh, about seven different cards with IDs to match because we were making the IDs to go with them uh, as well. Yeah. And yeah. so they, uh, they, they put me in jail, but since I was on supervised release, they dropped the charges because they knew that they weren't going to get any time out of me. I was going to, the feds are going to supersede anything. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> the feds get theirs first and then, you know what I mean? And then, then the state can get theirs. So, I mean, if they really wanted to, they could have prosecuted you and then you could have went and did your fed time and then went and did your, uh, your state time after the fed time. Yeah. They, they didn't, you know? they didn't pursue it. And maybe it's because they knew that my, yeah, my, you're lucky. my family had been in law enforcement in that area. So uh, that might've been, yeah, a little break. that might've been yeah. something to do with it. I don't know. It was, it was kind of weird to me. Yeah. And I got you. So, yeah. A lot of weird shit happened in my case too, man. Like a lot of weird shit. I was looking at 15 years in the beginning, you know, and I, I fuck, I only did like 24 months. So I hear you. So you go from the, the in-store physical thing and that is stressful um, when you're having to do all of that. Super stressful. Yeah. You know, Cause you got to, especially when you, de- especially when you depend on it to pay your bills. Yeah. Yeah. It's different when you're doing it for fun. You know what I mean? But when you when you wake up and like your bills, your your rent's doing things, and you have to go out and card laptops. Like I know I have to get five laptops this week, or my rent's not getting paid. That's when it becomes fucking stressful. And then every and then it seems like every store you go into, the card gets declined. You know what I mean? Like I, like the last week, everything, all my dumps were good, and now all of a sudden I got a shit batch of dumps, and now all my, you know what I mean? Like I need this money, and it, it's just like so you start taking risks, and like the whole thing's just fucking not good, dude. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So did you ever get into a situation like, because I knew if somebody took my information, took my card and they left my site, then that was pretty much, 
Oh, you walk yeah, out. It's like, I'm gone. There's no reason you should leave my side. You just, yeah, you don't run. You just slowly, calmly walk out the front door. Yeah. So did that happen to you often? Yep. Oh, plenty of times, man. Plenty of times. And I, and I would listen. I would get irate with the people. I would start fucking yelling at them. Like, give me my card back now. And they'd, they'd be like, uh, or, or I'd play it cool. Cause sometimes you're like, oh, we got to call. It says we have to call. Mm-hmm. Cause it, cause the, one of the, the, the thing you would uh, hold call if the card, you know what I mean? Like if the card had been reported stolen or whatever. And they're like, oh, it says I got a call. And I, what I immediately do is just reach my hand out. And I'm like, you know what? That happened and all day. I'll call my bank and then I'll come back in. And usually they, they give you your card back. Um, but if it's it's a store where there's been a lot of fraud at in the past, then they don't fuck around. They, they just take your shit and walk in the back with it. And that's when you just fucking walk out the door like, fuck them. You know? Yeah, yeah. I've had to do that. I came close to getting oh, caught a couple of times with that one. I've been there plenty of times, man. I've been I've been chased out of Walmart, dude. Me and my little brother got chased out of Walmart one time. We were trying to cart a laptop, uh, and he got caught. He got they gave they snatched him, and I got away. Um, and dude, that was like that was like the end of it, dude. For for me, for him anyway, that was the end of it. But for me, that was just the beginning. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I didn't give a shit. I was wild, bro. I didn't give a shit about getting chased out of stores and shit, dude. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of it for me was trial and error. You know, it was you, 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 That's what you it was, fail yeah. and you figure out, okay, well, that doesn't work. So let me switch to something else. Or here's something that happens. And all right, let me put that in the bank and in the bank of, of thoughts and memories. So now I know better. If I see that yep. again, now I know what to do. Yep. Um, Danny has sent a, 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 a uh, comment. He said, I owned an electronics store and someone ordered some speakers for 500 and I tracked the delivery to a local address and the disabled lady had befriended the person online who was using her as a drop point. The police say they found a house, lot of stuff. I got my speakers back. Oh, you're lucky, Danny, because a lot of people don't get their stuff back. Yeah, that's true, man. Uh, yeah, I, I used to... Uh... I was a scoundrel, man. When I used to do it, I used to, I, I would go online and I would look for, uh, I found a, 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 a list. I was looking, I found, a, um, what was it? It was a, um, gosh darn, it was a bank. And they, oh, they had, this was now, this is back like during the 2008 crisis when like everybody was losing their homes. And I, I found the list uh, of foreclosed homes, like in my area in Miami. And I drove to all of them and I, I marked them on the map, which ones were vacant. And that's where I would just, you know, I, I, so I had a whole list of all these, you know, big giant homes out in Miami, Miami Beach, North Miami Beach, and all that shit. And that's, where I, that's where I would use a lot of my drop addresses for. Um, something else I used to do, I was a, I mean, like I said, I was a scoundrel. Um, I used to, cause I, I used to get like cards that were local, say virtuals, and I was like carding something that, that needed to, cause a lot of places only will own now, because of all the fraud, a lot of places will only ship to the billing address of the credit card period. And so I used to go, I used to, if the house, if they were local, like if I got a bunch of local ones, dude, I would go to their house. Like whoever's card I was using, I would go sit out front and I'd wait for the PS guy to pull up or the FedEx guy. And then I'd either go and I'd pull, be pulling trash cans out to the, to the curb in front of that house. Or I'd be like dragging some boxes up or something like that. And as the UPS guy, yeah, as the UPS guy or FedEx guy is getting out of his truck, I would immediately just say the name that I knew was on the package like, oh, Kent Smith? And he'd look at me like, oh, yeah. And I'd be like, bam. And I would just sign for it every time. It yeah, worked. yeah, yeah. That's funny. Dude. Yeah, but like I said, I was I was a scoundrel, man. I was I was a fucking scoundrel. No, I, I, I know. I know. I was too, man. It just, it didn't matter, you know. And I think a lot of it was is that, you know, 
it, it makes it so easy because you don't know who it is. And a lot of the times, like when I, when yeah. I was doing it, the banks would catch it way before the, the customer would even know. Like the banks would put a stop yeah. to it before the customer knew. And I, I always rationalized it in my head that, you know, well, you know, I'm not really ripping off. I'm not ripping off a person. I'm ripping off the uh, uh, the banks and the banks rip everybody off. That's how I felt. That's how I felt. You know, fuck the banks. You know, I didn't feel like I was fucking anybody out of their money because, you know, everybody's the people are drawing their money back at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? Like it's all insured. The bank's gonna do. The bank's gonna give it up. And you know that's why the banks charge all these high interest rates. You know, because all this shit, all this shit's baked in. All these, you know, it's all it's all calculated in, man. And and they get to claim it as a loss at the end of the year, so they're making money on the fees and all that, and then they're making money. On yeah, the it's it's a joke. It's it's a big game. Yeah, for sure. Um. So. What else? What else do I want to ask you? So we, you're doing, you're doing that. So how do you, how do you end up in that position where you are? You go from being a an in person guy to being a supplier and distributor of of plastic. Once I figured out that that operation really wasn't scalable, um, I had to figure out obviously a new a new way to, to make money to pay my bills. And, you know, I, I had been paying like, I think between 15 to $20 a card when I, when I like finally started ordering like plastics and shit from people. And I was like, man, you know, so and that's just the way my brain worked. I'm like, well, you know, the person is completely anonymous. You know what I mean? All they have to do is print the plastic and, and put it in the mail and that's it. So essentially almost all the risk being eliminated. And that's what I was looking for. I was looking for the a way to make the most amount of money with the least amount of risk, obviously. And so I figured out, you know, okay, what printers do I need? What equipment do I need? How, you know, and I just, that sent me down a whole road of about three or four months of just research, you know, trying to figure out what printers and what equipment and, uh, you know, it was just like a snowball after that, pretty much, you know. So, so for anybody out there that as it wants to know, like you know how how this is even possible, you have to have a card printer. You have to have you know the 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 graphics to put on the card because you know we we had a bunch of them, and I'm sure there's there's places out there where you can buy them. I didn't. I wasn't a part of getting most of that stuff we had a uh, operation where we had two separate locations two offices one where we did all the research and got all the information and then we kept the place where we pressed all the cards out and and all the equipment to do the uh, encoding and everything else so if one got popped we didn't lose everything if one location went down the other we still had some stuff and yeah you guys are smart i had had everything in one fucking place (laughs) I wear everything in fucking one office, man. I wear my condo, actually. Yeah. And so it, uh, you know, and, and what it takes to do that, I mean, you got to be able to buy the cards. You got to be able to buy the card printers, which those are difficult to get because they don't just give them to just anybody. You can't be a, a Joe off the street and say, hey, I want a card printer uh, or an embosser or, you know. No, I had to, uh, I had to actually open like a legitimate LLC. I had to uh, get like a, I built a website. I got. I registered like a business and all that shit. That's how I ended up ordering all my equipment. 
And then there's the tipper if you want to get super professional with it, which is what puts the foil. I had one. Yeah, the silver foil on on the yeah. on the indented things. You got the indenter, which is that puts the indentations on the back of it where the CCB is. Yep. If you want to get yep. super legit, and then you got to have the the uh, the what are those those things to call the holograms? Oh, I had I had heat press. I had heat press holograms, so I wasn't using like bullshit stickers. You know what I mean? Like I had legitimate fucking hot foil. I had the hot foil uh, machine and everything for the for the hot stamping. I had uh, I was running a uh, just a, a Fargo printer that only the only thing it had was uh, the only thing it did was um, it put the UV. I had the the UV uh, security feature. So there's two UV security features on a credit card. There's one in the front. On Visa, it's a V right down the bottom where the Visa, the Visa is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, on a MasterCard, I believe it's a giant M and a giant C on the front, and then on the rear, on the on the SIG strip, it says Visa, 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 or MasterCard in, in like micro print. Mm-hmm. But it only shows up under U, under UV. And I had I had all the, a single printer just to do that with. Oh yeah, I remember we had. And then I was I was running the uh, I was running uh, the Fargo HDP five thousand printers. Dude, those things cost me like fucking four grand a piece. Yeah, they're expensive. I, I remember uh, my buddy had the UV one too. Um, like he was because we were doing the UV on the, the California IDs. Because there's, there's, yep, it was a it was a bear. Yep, yep. And so we had to have that on. The, I know. I I made all the IDs too. <laughs> I still remember. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, we, we. The funny thing is, is that I remember listening to your story on on that one, and uh, you were, and we're getting a little bit ahead of this, but when you were. Uh, in California, you were living in Tracy, right? Yep. I'm in I'm in uh, Oakley and uh, Brentwood. Oh, that's right. That's right up. That's right over the office. Yeah. Well, it's not nuts. It's actually Highway Four. So Tracy Highway Four runs right into no 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 Byron Byron Highway. Byron Highway yeah. runs right into Byron, then Brentwood, then Oakley, then Antioch, and so yeah, that that's actually where I'm at right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought it was kind of funny, man. Dude, our our stories really parallel each other in a lot of in a lot of places. Yeah, it's, it's pretty weird. Yeah. Um. So yeah, let's uh, it's about forty two right now. Uh, we got about fifteen more minutes, so let's uh. Oh, we're good, dude. Let's roll into to um, what that was like, and and you know, sort of the back end of that. So you're. You're you're starting to distribute now. You've kind of figured out, you know, uh, who's doing what. And I remember you talked about customer service being a really strong point, and you you noticed that from buying from these other distributors, that that's where they were lacking was customer service, right? Yes. And so tell me yeah. tell me how you capitalized on that to to kind of elevate and, and pole vault yourself into a elite a lead role in in all in in this game. Sure. Sure. Can you run next door and grab me a, a blue Gatorade? And then if you want something too, and him as well. So I started, uh, yeah, I started printing and, um, you know, I, I, I figured out that the cards I was ordering weren't that good. You know, I, once I, once I, once I started making them myself and I was like, and I seen the quality of, of the cards that I was making and then I, I was, you know, ordering. So what I did was I, I methodically went through and I ordered, I ordered from every vendor that was selling, like every vendor that was selling cards, I ordered. From. And when I ordered from them, I had a checklist and on that checklist was like, okay, when I first contacted them, how long did it take them to get back to me? 
Um, how long after I paid them did I get my cards? You know, and then and then I had once I got the physical card, I had a checklist. I went down to the card. I could tell what printer he was using. I could tell what kind of holograms they were using. I could tell the quality of the printers. I could tell everything. So what I set out to do was make first of all a better product. Well, no, actually, first of all, I wanted to have better customer service than than, than anybody else that was that was that was vending. Period. And then also, I needed to have obviously a better product. You know, and once I figured those two things out, it it was game over. You know, everybody, I don't know what happened to everybody else, but they either just stopped making cards or they went out of business uh, because I put everybody out of business. Everybody was just ordering me from there on out. And then, and what is- but it took me, it took me like six, eight months, like a year to really get to that status though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I remember one of the things you said that was really kind of key and is that the, you had figured out that it was really one group that was, doing all of them right uh it came down to i thought there were like 15 different vendors and when i I ordered from all these vendors and i got their cards i figured out that it was just two dudes who thought they were fucking tricking everybody by making uh, 15 different accounts and playing like there was all these vendors so they had like they had they had really they had the marketplace cornered and i you know hats off to them it worked for it worked until i came along and figured everything out you know and put them out of business Yeah, yeah 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 So where does so you're doing all this? You're making all this money at at the peak of 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 your success in in this line of work. Um, what what were you what numbers were you pulling? Uh, at the very pinnacle of what I deemed to be my success, I was doing about a hundred orders a month. Um, and it was a, a minimum order with me was a thousand dollars, and for a thousand dollars you got a hundred the cards. And I would work with you on the driver's license. Now I wouldn't give you a hundred IDs, but I would work with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a thousand dollars minimum order. And I feel like at the very pinnacle, I was doing like a hundred orders a month. You know, so that's a hundred k a month. You know. And were you taking? And I was. And, no, I said, were you taking Bitcoin as payment? Uh, yeah, Bitcoin. Bitcoin really wasn't that big of a deal back then. Um, and and here's something else that's going to make you sick. Uh, I think I had somewhere like around eleven or twelve hundred dollars uh, invested into Bitcoin when the feds came and, and seized all of my laptops and my hard drives and all of that shit. Yeah, so right now there's a you know, uh, I think and I think Bitcoin was like at fifty dollars at this point in time. This was like July two thousand ten, I believe. The price of Bitcoin was like around fifty something dollars. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, you know, and that makes me sick every day. But no, I was doing. Uh, I had a Western Union account set up, and I was using Fools. And I would get something called like a Western Union debit card. And you know, you, you got to go through a verification process. You got to send them. Thank you. You got to send them, uh, you know, your copy, your driver's license, uh, social security card, all that shit. But I, I mail it on Photoshop anyway. Sent it. And uh, then you would get uh, like a debit card. Now people could send Western Union straight to your debit card mm-hmm. uh, from, from a, like, so you would, I wouldn't even have to go and pick up in person. I would just have the card, you know, and then I would go to the ATM or uh, thank you. Or I would just transfer money to a different account or whatever. And that's, that was how I was like mainly, you know, and then also Bitcoin. And then I don't know if you remember web money, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. WMZ. And then there was something called Liberty Reserve, which got shut down by the feds. It was called LMZ. Yeah. I don't remember that one. I remember the web money though. Yeah. And I, and yeah. So between those four different payment systems, that's how I was getting all my money. Yeah. Yeah. I was, we were, that's how we were paying for a lot of ours. We would do the same thing that you're talking about and just load up somebody's card with, with, with the money and they'd be, and we would, we would see where they could, where they were uh, doing it from because it was our card and our name. 
And so they were somewhere in Romania or, or some other, some other spot. Um, yeah. I mean, that whole thing, man, it was just so, it was so crazy. The amount, how far you go to try to get out and not work in. <laughs> <laughs> I know, dude. I know, man. I know. So like, like a regular nine to five to me is death. Like, I'm not even going to play. Like I just contemplate suicide. Like if I have to work 40 hours at a regular job, I'm, I'm either going to kill myself or I'm going to go back to prison one or two and there's no in between, you know? So when you, when you got busted, um, what, what was the, uh, like, like what was, what was entailed with that? Was it a SWAT team thing or was it just sort of like a, cause I remember you had said, and, and an hour doesn't do your story justice at all. Uh, I'm going to tell you that right now. I know, man. I know, I know, you know, and, um, no, uh, yeah, so I walked into a UPS store uh, and two Secret Service agents were there waiting on me, pretty much. That's how they got me. Um, and you want to hear something crazy. I didn't even go to jail. They didn't arrest me. You know, I um, they took me in back and they fingerprinted me and you know, they asked me a bunch of questions and I had to sign some paperwork saying that I would, uh, I, you know, I would, I would forfeit uh, anything that they had seized from my residence and all that shit, you know. So they had to come to my home and uh, they searched and they seized everything pretty much. Uh, and they just gave me a date and then a card, and they told me to, they told me to be at this this date. I they'd be at this address on this date because I was going to have to do like a debriefing, and they were, you know. And that's basically how it went down. And they just came to my home and they searched everything I had. And here's here's a kicker. At my home, I had I had I had a Springfield subcompact nine millimeter. I had my Walther P ninety nine nine millimeter. I had my Wasser ten AK forty seven, and I had an AR fifteen, and I had a quarter pound of weed. And they left all of that. They left all of it. They said we're not the ATF. We just, it was wild. They didn't take any of it. They didn't call the police on any of it. It wasn't in any of their reports. They just wanted the, the machines and the cards and the fucking laptop and all that shit. So yeah, that was, that, that, that's why I, in, 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 in my mind, I wasn't even worried yeah. about the credit card shit. I was more fucking concerned about the, the dope and the guns I got at my fucking house. You know what I mean? But no, they didn't even, they, they weren't even, they weren't even upset about that. They didn't even care. And like I had my concealed weapons license at this time, so like none of nothing was none of the the guns was illegal. Yeah. But I was in South Carolina, and marijuana in South Carolina is fucking illegal. You know, it's, even to this day, it's not there's no not even medical. Yeah, yeah. You know, those fucking hillbillies over there, they're never going to get on board with the rest of the society. You know, with it being the Bible Belt and you know yeah. all those old you know conservative Republicans, it just isn't going to happen. So yeah, I was I was surprised, man. You know. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I, I, I get you there, man. I, uh, <laughs> I thought I was done, man. I thought I was cooked, but yeah, no, they just came and they searched and they, and they were like, you know, you're going to have to come and, uh, you know, meet with us and talk a little bit further. And I did. And, you know, I went down to the, the secret service headquarters and I gave a whole fucking statement and they entered, they interrogated me for about three and a half hours. Um, and then that was it, man. And I didn't hear, it took him three and a half years to indict me after that. And were you still doing? Were you still um, doing it after after that? Or dude, after after about a year, I didn't have no choice. You know, I, mean, I had money put away and hidden and shit. And but after about a year, I didn't have. I was running out of money, so I just I got more equipment and fucking geared up for another run. You know, fuck. Yeah, yeah. You know, what, what was I supposed to do? 
And so how much time did you end up doing once, once you got indicted and, and, and all of that? And then did they, you know, with the level that you were, you were doing, I mean, was there any offers on the table to um, like kind of consult with them and, and, you know, become and start working with them and giving them information, like not as like turning, but becoming, do you, you know what I'm talking about? I do. Uh, and, and, and no, I wasn't, I was never offered anything like that. And I think somebody, honestly, to be honest with you, I think somebody dropped the ball, uh, on my case because the old man that was working at the UPS store. Now I, unbeknownst to me, he was the owner and I didn't know that at the time. Um, he opened one of my packages and found what I was sending out and he had contacted the postmaster general, the postmaster general had contacted the secret service and that's how they caught me. And I didn't know this until me and my lawyer, when I was in the county, me and my lawyer were going over my, um, we were going over my, um, my discovery, and in my in in the in the report given by the uh, initial investigating Secret Service, they had said, uh, you know, how that they were contacted, and my and my lawyer was like, you know what, something isn't right here. So she dipped, and I didn't hear anything from her for about a month. Uh, no phone calls, no nothing. She didn't come to see me, and then she shows up one day. Uh, and like, and mind you, I told you that the initial uh, agreement by the prosecuting attorney was 150 months. Um, she came back like two months later with uh, another offer of 24 months, and this was for um, uh, aggravated identity theft. And they had dropped the, so they had dropped the manufacturing of fraudulent transaction devices. Uh, they dropped the mail fraud. They dropped the possession of fraudulent transaction devices. Uh, they dropped the trafficking of um, fraudulent transaction devices. They dropped all that shit. And the only thing they could hit me with was the aggravated identity theft because I did have my picture on somebody else's driver's license. Mm, mm. And that's, that's it. That was, that was, I ended up going to court. And like I said, I got lucky, man. You know, they had, I, I you know, that old man fucked up their whole case. And then, so how much time did you actually said those 24 months? And then you did what? 85% of that. Yeah. I went to, I got six months away house. Um, you know, but I ended up getting out and I ended up going back on violation. So I ended up going back for like another nine months, um, you know, because I got out and like things just were not fucking going my way. You know what I mean? So I started doing the credit card shit again, <laughs> again. <laughs> uh, and this time it didn't, I didn't last very long. It only lasted like a couple months and some shit went down and yeah, I got picked up again. But so I ended up going back and dude, check this. I went back. So I had three years of paper, right? I go back on violation. The judge gives me nine months time served and kills my paper. Wow. You got lucky there. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. So when I, so, so when I got back out, that was it. I was just like a free man and I, the case was over and, and that was it. And this was like 2016. So that's when I just dipped out to California and was like, I'm done. I'm leaving Miami. I can't be here. You know, too many, uh, too many, too many, uh, uh, what do they call those? Um, uh, lost my train of thought. It's uh, too many, not not triggers, but uh, oh, it's definitely it's people people places and things, yeah, man. Yeah. It definitely is triggers. You know, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. So when you were on paper yeah. and you got out, my my thing is is that like I was lucky. I had you know a support system and and you know a car and all these yeah. things. I I, I 
I did not. I didn't have any of that when I got out, unfortunately. You know, uh, I had six months to make as much money I could as the halfway house to start to launch my new life with, you know. And I don't know if you went to halfway house, but, dude, they take 30 or 40 percent of everything you make. Well, it's a, it's a, you know, at before, be, be, before taxes. Yeah. It's a, it's just a, it's a corrupt system. I mean, those halfway houses. Yeah, it's a money yeah, grab. It's, it's a money grab. Basically extor- extorting but you. I, but I'm not complaining because I could be fucking, you know, back in prison still and then getting out with nothing. So, you know, you take what you get. So do you feel, do you feel uh, like that system is, it's, if, if you don't have a support system or, or a good plan in place that it's designed oh, to set you up to fail? Fucked. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know if it's designed to set you up for fail, but I mean, failure is definitely uh, a high probability. If you don't, like I said, like you said, if you have no kind of like support system or anything like that, for sure. Uh, yeah, uh, it's it's not a good situation to be in, dude, for sure. All right. So once you get to uh, you get back to California, you move, you end up in Tracy. You said that you were living there and also working for Tesla, making not a whole lot of money and working a whole lot of hours. Yeah. Well, I mean, the money was the money was good uh, if I were if I was living anywhere else in the country. But because I was living in the Bay Area and I wasn't even in the Bay, I was out in the fucking valley. and I was still paying like thirty two hundred dollars a month for a one bedroom apartment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the Tesla, the Tesla money was good, but it wasn't like I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was balling or anything like that. I felt like I was just barely paying my bills, and I, mean, I had a nice car. I was driving a nice car and shit, but you know that doesn't mean shit when all you do is drive it to work every day. Yeah, I've, I've mm-hmm. often said that you know making a hundred and twenty grand a year in California is just barely above poverty. Yeah, it sucks, man. You know. So I was doing I was doing six twelves. I was working twelve hours a day, six days a week, mandatory. You know what I mean? So, and so it looks like that. Uh, you know, you you went through all of that. You ended up moving to uh, Arizona, where you're at now. You picked up, uh, you know, the tattoo tattooing and stuff that you're doing now. Yeah, um, I've all, I've always been tattooing, man. I've been tattooing probably since. Uh, 2003 2002 2003 something like that you know it was never i never felt like that this is what i wanted to do with the rest of my life you know and then after i worked at tesla and i kind of hurt my back and i was out on disability and i was like man i'm not i don't want to go back to a regular nine to five ever again you know and this was the only marketable skill that i was left with that isn't going to send me back to prison you know so yeah and and honestly man i'm I couldn't be happier, dude. You know what I mean? Like I get to wake up every day and I get to make my own decisions. Um, you know, if if this isn't a real job, dude. You know what I mean? This is yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I get to if I don't come in today, I don't have to come in. I'll just call them like I'm not coming in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's not you can't do that in a regular job. So it's like I, I still get to do whatever I want. I'm making, you know, really good money. Uh, you know, and I'm happy, you know. So and then, and then, from the looks of it, 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 you know, you're starting to get a lot more traction with your. Uh, you also wrote a book, right? You the guy, you were. In. I did, yeah. I, I wrote my memoir when I was in a uh, memoir. I wrote that when I was in uh, in federal prison. I had help from a gentleman named Matthew Cox. Yeah, you guys were both at uh, Lompoc, right? No, we were at Coleman, Coleman? in Florida. Okay, Coleman. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, I wrote, I, we wrote the memoir and then I got out and that got published, uh, like two and a half years ago. And that's, that was, that the book's doing pretty well right now. Um, you know, and I, I, since then, uh, started the YouTube channel, uh, which I'm, I do full time now that that's, 
I'm completely obsessed with, with, you know, YouTube and just trying to make the best content I can. And like, you know, I'm having that overall polished, you know, like YouTube's, you know, professional studio. And I've been, I'm just, you know, I've immersed myself in, into that now. Okay. And that's just all I do is just tattooing and YouTube. And, uh, I do podcasts, you know, I, I, I do, I'm in a different city every weekend. I go to Florida, uh, once a week or once a month, I'm sorry. And I film down there. Uh, I fly out to Texas and film New York. Uh, I'm out California every other week, uh, filming podcasts and stuff. So yeah, this is all just, it's all snowballing and taking on its own, its own life now. Uh, so you got any plans for a documentary in the works? Uh, yeah, actually, I filmed uh, with a uh, um, like a private production company, and we filmed uh, for like five or six days straight. And so that it's all in the works now. I don't want to yeah, yeah, you know yeah. let too much information out, but yeah, I can't. I'm on contract. I can't really talk about it too much. But yeah, there is going to be a uh, like a fully professional documentary on one of the major um, you know Hulu, FX, HBO, something like that. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, I appreciate everything, and then all of John's, uh, uh, you know, social media, his YouTube channel, um, and even a link to the book uh, on Amazon is in the description or be in the show notes, so you guys can go directly to there and click on the link, and it'll take you to all his places and his spaces. Um, I definitely want to uh, say thank you to you. I appreciate your time and uh, your 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 uh, what do they call that? Your, your uh, how when you can do it, multitasking skills there. Oh yeah, no problem, man. Hey, listen, tattooing is just muscle memory to me, so I can I can do every I can tattoo and do anything else. You know, I'm doing it for so long; it's not even an issue. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Well, I definitely want to say thank you, and I appreciate your time. Uh, you want to got anything you want to close with? Um, no, I mean, yeah, like you said, yeah, you guys can follow me at on uh, Instagram at Slum by Nature, and if you guys want to, uh, you know, hit me up and, and follow all the content I'm doing and, and all the moves I'm making and all of the future stuff coming out, you can find me on YouTube. Uh, my main YouTube channel is called Boziac Conundrum. Uh, like you said, there'll be links to everything, um, you know, when all this is done. And uh, yeah, just, you know, thank you guys for showing up. Thank you for listening. And uh, if you subscribe to my channel, I, I, I appreciate that as well. Awesome. Yeah, I've already, I'm already a subscriber there. And uh, he's definitely, you, can, you, you, you can find the long version of this story on his web on his uh, YouTube channel, but then you can also find other things that he's done, like on uh, concrete. They did a, a two part series on you there, the concrete podcast or YouTube channel, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you just Google my name, uh, John Bodiak, uh, everything comes up right in the Google results, my book, all the podcasts I've done, uh, everything. Yeah. Everything, everything's readily available, uh, on the internet. So, Awesome, man. Well, I'm going to thank you. We're going to pull out of here. I'm going to hit the outro and uh, we'll, I'll stay in touch with you, man. Maybe we'll uh, do another sort of uh, deal because I think I'm going to be heading out to concrete as well uh, in the future uh, and doing it. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. That'd be awesome, man. Let me know. Uh, we'll do another, uh, we'll do another clubhouse room or uh, another fucking podcast or uh, maybe because I'm, you know, I got my own shit going on. I'm going to be, I'm going to be doing this pretty soon. So maybe I'll have you on my pod and we'll, we'll go dive into your, uh, situation yeah for sure man for sure definitely i'm uh you're you're in my network now i'm in your network and we'll just stay in touch cool brother i appreciate it all right thanks danny or not danny john (laughs) 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 all right peace brother peace brother 
You've been listening to the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. Sean is a single dad, a union blue collar guy, and he spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. When he was released from prison in 2006, all he had was the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and some paperwork. Since then, he's turned his life around and shares the struggles and successes on this podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you were moved to connect to the show. Book a guest spot. For merch, Patreon, PayPal, and social media links, go to linktr.ee slash nowhere to go but up. On Instagram at nowhere to go but up now. On Twitter at but up now. On the YouTube channel at nowhere to go but up podcast. See you next time.